Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Peace Alliance Hope Story Circle and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring Yay. conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm joined to facilitate today by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is our board chair of the Peace Alliance. And Liz, Liz and I are sort of sad today because Yelena is not with us. She had a, another workshop that she's doing with some little kittles, but um, we'll see her next time. But our special guest today is Kevin Winkler, and Kevin is a longtime friend of mine. I'm so excited to have you here today, Kevin. Can you come off mute and say hello? Yeah, hi, Terry. Great to be here with you and with everyone. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's great to see you. I'm very excited to have you share your story today. But before we begin, I'm going to ask Liz to lead us in a little meditation just to kind of bring us in together. Liz. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. And just as I know Yelena would do if she were here, I invite you to find, just find a a space and a position that your body would appreciate as we come into this space together. And what I'd like to focus on for a few minutes, you can keep your eyes open or closed, um, is that idea of transition. I invite you to transition from wherever you were or whatever you were doing right before you got on this call and to become fully present to the moment fully present to the story we're here to both listen to and create together. And if your eyes are open, you've noticed, I'm noticing the transition in the background that uh, David had from fall to lovely uh, river behind him. And I think we're all, this is a time of year when a lot of us are focused on transitions. We're thinking about the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. Um, what do we want to leave behind? What do we want to bring with us as we think about where we've been and where we've headed? And so I invite you just in this moment between transitions to just be present. To take a breath. to connect to who you are in this moment, who you want to bring to the call, and who we want to be together in this moment. I invite you to take another, let's take three breaths together. And that was my third breath. And with that, I invite you into the room. When you're ready, eyes open, fully present to bring ourselves to uh, our wonderful guest, Kevin, and the story he's here to share with you today. 
So, Kevin, thank you for being here and welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Thank you so much. Shall I begin? Yeah, of course. Oh, great. Um, um, transition is a word that I, has been on my mind uh, uh, a lot lately. Um, I think like a lot of us, uh, as I'm living my life, going through my life, I don't think in terms of transitions. Things happen and you deal with them and you move forward. It's only really in the fullness of time, uh, I guess, and I guess this has to do with getting older, where you step back and uh, look at the, the transitions that you've been through in your life and uh, notice how, and come to realize how important and how meaningful uh, they, they can be, have been. Uh, sometimes transitions are very welcome and um, uh, they're wonderful. Other times transitions are foisted upon us and it's up to us to make the best of uh, the things that, that we're, we come face to face on. Um, and so by using that as a context, I'd like to share with you a story of some, of, of I guess of my life, so far, to, so far, and um, some of the major transitions that I've been through um, over that time. Uh, I was born and raised in northeastern Oklahoma in a very rural area, an isolated area. It was cattle country, the plains. And um, uh, one of the big disappointments of my early life was that um, I always wanted to dance. I always said I came out of my mother's womb uh, dancing. Uh, but the area that I grew up in was really a wasteland in terms of the performing arts, theater, dance, music, anything like that. And there were really no training opportunities for, um, for dance, uh, which was a, a big disappointment to me in my early, in my childhood. But the first big transition that, uh, that happened in my life uh, was in high school when I, um, when my family, my mother, my father, myself and my two siblings moved from Northeastern Oklahoma to the West Coast, to San Diego. Uh, my father had an opportunity to go into business for himself through a good friend from Oklahoma who had uh, relocated to the West Coast. So off we went, lock, stock and barrel to San Diego. Um, it, in terms of transitions, it was quite a tra traumatic transition for my parents. My parents were very, um, uh, they were they were real country. They were rural people, and um, they didn't like the West Coast at all. Um, there were too many people. It was too congested, too much traffic. The houses were too close together, um, and we never talked about this. But um, I think for them, they were they didn't like all the brown people around them in a way that they'd never they there were no brown people. In, uh, in the area in Oklahoma where we lived. Um, so it was a, a real culture shock for them. But for me, it was wonderful. I, I loved it. It was a wonderful transition for me. Um, I loved living in a big city. I loved going to a big school with hundreds and hundreds of kids. And I discovered the, the lifeline that's been the lifeline to lots of gay kids th throughout history. And that's the drama club. So I, once I got to a big city, I found my tribe. Uh, I didn't have a tribe in Oklahoma, but I had a tribe in, uh, uh, in San Diego. Um, 
So I graduated early from high school and I went immediately into college, to the state college in San Diego. And um, my parents, it's a long story that I won't go into, but my parents divorced over the next year and they each moved back to Oklahoma with my siblings. So I was pretty much on my own from the time I was about 18 or 19, uh, living on my own uh, and, and going to college. I loved college. I was a, a theater and dance major. Um, and it was the first, being in college was really the first time that I had any kind of formal dance training. Uh, I remember taking classes at the San Diego Ballet and I was in the beginning class at age 18 or 19. And all the kids, the all the other kids in the class were about 12, 13, 14. So it was then I really realized that I had a lot of um, I had a lot of making up to do uh, in order to to get up to speed in terms of uh, of my my dance training and my technique. Uh, but I loved college. I, I it was a it's just a blur of play rehearsals and performances, classes, uh, and forging some friendships that were uh, that were very important to me that have proven to be lifelong friendships. Uh, I'm still good friends with two or three people um, 50 years on, almost 50 years on. And those, those friendships uh, are, are, they really sustain me today. Um, I, I will say during this time, one of the happiest summers of my young life uh, occurred between uh, my junior and senior year in college. I was hired um, by a, a summer theater in, of all places, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which I didn't know at the time, but uh, at one point was the uh, American uh, headquarters for the uh, American Nazi party. Uh, I don't know if it was the, the headquarters the time I was there in the 70s, but I, I was singing and dancing. I wasn't thinking about <laughs> Nazis. Um, but it was a, a wonderful experience. It was really the quintessential summer stock experience. Um, um, we, we sang and danced and acted in all the shows. We worked on scenery, we painted sets, we worked on the costumes. Um, and it was just, it was really a magical, a magical summer. And we did um, what I, uh, we did what, what we refer to as rotating rep. Meant that one night we do West Side Story, and the next night we do Cabaret, and the next night we do Man of La Mancha, um, and it was a wonderful experience. And we'd switch out the sets every night after the show, and um, I had my first romance, my first summer romance uh, that summer doing summer stock. So I, when I look back on it, I think every young person who's entering the performing arts or the theater should have that experience because it was just a, a wonderful and um, life-affirming uh, time for me. So when I graduated from college, I, I went to New York and worked in a summer stock theater in, uh, in Long Island. Um, and in retrospect, what I should have done was just stay in New York. But that was a transition that was a, a, a too Kevin, you froze up on us. Oh no. <laughs> Kevin, can you hear us? 
Let's start. So, um, so I, I, I moved back, I went back to, to California um, and I moved to Los Angeles with a good friend of mine. And I had it in my mind that I would um, uh, try to start a career doing television commercials. I'd always been funny and I'd always loved doing comedy in school. Um, and so that's what I did. And um, I had a little bit of luck, not a lot, a little bit. And I also tried to start a career as a dancer in LA and I couldn't get arrested as a dancer. <laughs> I auditioned for everything. I auditioned for Disneyland, for all the amusement parks had theme shows, Knott's Berry Farm, Magic <laughs> Mountain, all these places, couldn't get arrested. And I would go see, I would go see uh, touring shows that came through LA and I realized that they were all being cast out of New York. So after about a year, I said, well, this is not working. I really need to be, I really need to go to New York. So I called this theater in Long Island. I worked at the year before. They welcomed me back. And so I packed up everything I had in a single suitcase. I had about, I think it was about $500 saved up. And $500 went a lot further then than it does now, but it still wasn't very much money. And I don't know where I got the wherewithal. I just said, well, I'll make friends with people and maybe someone will need a roommate or something. And that's how I'll move into New York City. And actually, that's exactly what happened. So I, I did move into the city. I, I moved into with a friend into his little teeny tiny studio apartment. I said, I'll stay here for a couple of weeks till I can get my own place. Well, I ended up staying over a year um, in this place. I'd like to say that the transition to New York was easy and was all that I had had hoped it would be, but it was actually pretty traumatic. I It was rough. It was rough finding a survival job. Um, it was rough finding an apartment. It, it was just, it was rough. But um, I did. And um, I settled into a career as a professional dancer for about it's about 12 or 13 years, I guess. And um, uh, one important transition I should mention is, um, and I didn't even think of it as a transition because it was so natural. Everything just fell into place so easily was uh, I met my husband, Richard, in 1980. And um, again, I didn't think of it at the time, but in retrospect and looking back on it, you know, having a, a warm, sustaining uh, uh relationship uh, was so important for me anyway. It was very important uh, being in a business that's so much um, here today, gone tomorrow, catch as catch can, no real, um, um, no real security. So it was wonderful having that, having that relationship. So anyway, I was a, I was a dancer for, for that period of time and I did pretty well. I did a couple of shows on Broadway that closed very quickly. A lot of summer stock, uh, dinner theater, uh, regional theater. Um, I toured in Cats for a year with, with Terry and, and Carol. Um, but at some point, I guess it must have been in my early 30s, I began to, to think about what I was going to do next. Um, I was very much aware of time passing and um, I knew I knew that you know age and time are not friends of dancers, and that um, uh, I didn't I didn't want to be caught 
without a, a, a next steps. You know, there's an interesting, there's a wonderful line in the show Chorus Line where the dancers are asked, what do you do when you can't dance anymore? And for me, the question was more complex. It was, what do you do when you feel like you want to do something else? You can still dance, but you want to do something else. You want to explore um, other things and you want to use your mind in a different way. So um, something that had always been in the back of my mind was the world of libraries. Um, I had, I'd always, libraries had always been a, an important part of my life. Um, when I was in junior high, back in, in uh, Oklahoma, I broke the gender gap, or the gender barrier rather, by being the first boy to work in the school library, which didn't do me any favors on the playground <laughs> or in the cafeteria. But, um, and then uh, when I was an undergraduate, I, um, I, worked my way through school as, as part of a work study program where I worked for the, the campus library part-time and I worked full-time during the summers. So it was always something that had been in the back of my mind as a possible career option. So like any good librarian, I went to the library and I did research and uh, I uh, found the, the library graduate programs in the New York City area and uh, began applying to them. Uh, the most traumatic part of this whole process was that when I realized, uh, because I'd been out of school for so long, it had been about 13, 14 years since I graduated high, graduated college, that I would have to take the graduate record exam to apply for any graduate program. I hadn't taken a test in you know, 13, 14 years. So I got a GRE workbook and uh, studied it. And I was working at the Cleveland Playhouse um, where I, and one Saturday morning, I got up at 6 a.m., went to some local school, took the GRE exam, and then went to the theater and did two shows that day. So um, after I did that, I won't even tell you how bad my, my, my math scores were on the GREs. Uh, I'll leave that to history. But anyway, I, I applied to the colleges and I ended up getting a, a very good financial package from Columbia University for their library school program. I never, ever thought that I would um, uh, go to a big Ivy League school like that for, for graduate school, but it all worked out. Uh, it all worked out and uh, off I went to Columbia. Um, I would like to say that I transitioned to back to academia very smoothly, but that transition was pretty rough. I hadn't been in a classroom in 13 or 14 years. I hadn't written a term paper in 13 or 14 years. I didn't know how to study for a test. So the first semester or two were, were pretty rough, but eventually I settled in. And I have to say that that year and a half that I spent in graduate school was one of the most satisfying uh, times in my life. And it really confirmed for me the, the correctness of what I was doing, that, that I had made the right decision. I had, I had originally uh, thought that when I got my graduate degree that I wanted to work in some, a library that had something to do with the performing arts. I thought maybe a film archive or something, I didn't know. Uh, when I was in graduate school, I did an internship at the Museum of Modern Art Film Study Center 
and I processed a collection of papers that were donated by uh, Martin Scorsese, the film director. I loved that. That was a wonderful experience. But when I graduated, there really, there really weren't there weren't any jobs at MoMA, and there weren't any jobs in performing arts uh, libraries. But the last semester I was in graduate school, I took a class in business reference. Uh, and I found that I enjoyed it very, very much. And um, I hit it off with the instructor uh, of the class who was a senior librarian at Citibank in their corporate library. And she uh, told me that there was an opening for a, an entry-level librarian at Citibank. So I applied for the job, I got it. And so I ended up going directly out of graduate school to the Citibank corporate library where I did uh, business and corporate research for about two years. I enjoyed the work and I especially enjoyed the people that I worked with, but there was an element of satisfaction that was missing because I really wasn't, uh, I wasn't working with the kind of materials that I was passionate about. So after two years at Citibank, uh, I had the good fortune to um, apply for and get hired at the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts at Lincoln Center. Um, and uh, I remember when I went, when I applied for the job, I went for the interview, uh, 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 a couple months before I applied, we had moved to an apartment about two blocks from Lincoln Center. And I remember when I went to the interview, I said to Richard, I'll never get this job. It's too perfect. There's no way I'm gonna get this job. But I did get the job. And that was really the, I really landed in the sweet spot um, for, for my life and my career at that time. Um, I, I came in at a fairly high level. I was the um, assistant curator for the theater division. And I had a number of different jobs over close to 20 years. And um, uh, I, ended, I ended my time at the Performing Arts Library as the assistant director for the building. And um, it, it, was a wonderful, it was a wonderful almost 20 years. Um, I taught a class in Performing Arts Librarianship. I wrote and published um, on that subject. Um, and I, re I really honed my skills at a, as an administrator. And uh, I really, I, I came into my own professionally and I think personally in my forties and fifties. And so it was a, a wonderful, a wonderful time in my life. The last five years I spent with the library, I moved away from the performing arts realm and um, uh, took a job as the deputy director for all of the branch libraries, the community, local neighborhood libraries uh, at New York Public Library. That was, I think at the time we had about 88 or 89 uh, branches. Um, and that was, that was uh, satisfying in a very different way. You know, working in a research library, you are, it's a little bit like an ivory tower. Uh, but in the community libraries, the neighborhood libraries, um, you really are in touch with the, the patrons at the local level um, in, a, in a very meaningful way. And you see how the library services, our books, our programs, how they impact people's lives in a really positive way every single day. So the, the, uh, the results of the work that you do are, um, are, uh, are immediate. And they're wonderful. Um, 
and so that was a that was five years uh, in the in the branch community libraries, and I ended my career. I ended I, I didn't end my career as a librarian, but I ended my career at the New York Public Library by getting fired, uh, and that was another transition. That was certainly an unwelcome transition. Um, uh, there was a reorganization at the very top level of, of the administration, and um, um, it, my job, uh, though it was certainly important, was deemed um, it was deemed uh, doable by others of lower rank and lower pay. It wasn't personal. Uh, it wasn't performance based. Uh, I remember. <laughs> The, the person who fired me from HR, actually, they offered to give me a going away party, which I declined. Um, so uh, it, uh, uh, it, it wasn't, I, I, there, were, there were a couple of buffers in place that made it not so hard. I was very close to retirement age anyway. I was vested in my pension. Um, um, and I think something really important, really important was that um, I'd had this career in the performing arts and the theater um, where nothing is guaranteed. Jobs end at any time. You, you, you start from square one after each job. So I think working in the theater, it, it builds up a, a thick skin. Uh, it makes you, it requires you to be more nimble in moving uh, mm -hmm between between jobs or between careers. So I think that was that was very helpful to me at that time. And fortuitously, I had already uh, uh, embarked on what later became my third career, which was working as a writer. Uh, a few years earlier, I had started working on a, a, a book about Bob Fosse, the celebrated choreographer and director. And um, uh, when when the job ended at NYPL, um, I segued to that pretty seamlessly, and uh, that uh, working as a, as a as a writer, researching, writing, and uh, doing something really creative drew on all of my experience, drew on all of my background as a dancer, as a researcher, as a librarian, and. Um, uh, this work was very satisfying. It's self-directed work um, that gives me a, that imparts a kind of satisfaction that's very different from any other, uh, any other job I've had. So um, that third phase, that third career, that transition to that third career um, uh, is where I am now. After the Bob Fosse book, uh, I wrote another book about uh, another celebrated choreographer and director, Tommy Toon. Um, and I'm now working on, uh, I guess I've transitioned again away from books about dance. I'm working on a book about uh, Bette Midler uh, and looking at her cultural impact as a, as a performer, a singer, an actress, uh, as a, uh, an activist, uh, and a, a kind of citizen of the world. So that brings me to, I guess, to today. And I, I guess I would close by saying uh, the only thing that's really been consistent in my life, and I suspect in everyone's life, is that there are transitions. And who knows what transitions are, are next? Uh, the only thing we can be sure of that transitions will, will happen. 
Um, so uh, that's my story, and uh, I hope that I hope that's been interesting, and uh, uh, I'd love to hear I'd love to hear from other people. That's your thoughts. Oh, thank you, Kevin. I love your story, Liz. Do you want to talk about what people should think about in the breakout rooms? Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin, for your story. And uh, this one was very clear to me, right? And so um, thank you, everybody. I could watch everyone's faces paying such beautiful attention uh, to Kevin's story. And so as we go into the breakout rooms, uh, what we invite you to think about is exactly as Kevin said, you know, we, we go through our daily lives, just living our lives. And sometimes we're aware a major transition has happened you know, like a move. It, it struck me that that what Carolyn talk, started talking about a move. And sometimes they're voluntary, sometimes they're forced upon us. So what we invite you to bring in to the, to the small group discussion in the breakout rooms is, can you think of a transition in your life that in retrospect had a really powerful impact on you in a way that you would like to share? It could have been a voluntary transition. It could have been one that was, as Kevin said, forced upon you. But but if you'd like to share a meaningful transition in your life and how that impacted you. Wonderful. All right. Well, um, in our breakout rooms, for those of you who may be new to the Hope Story Circle, our agreements are to listen with your heart, to speak from your heart, to say just enough so that others have room to share. And to keep confidentiality, when we come back together in the big room, would love to hear what was what's bubbling up for you at that time. But don't tell someone else's story. You can tell your own or speak to the themes, but don't tell someone else's story. Let them tell their own. And we'll be in the breakout rooms for just under 15 minutes, and then we'll come back together. So I'm going to pause the recording now. All right. Welcome back, everyone. It's good to see your faces. I was going to say, Joni, it's nice to see your face. I love yeah. to see your picture, but it's nice to see your face. All of you. It's nice to see you. Joni, I think you're on mute if you're trying to speak up, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'd love to hear what everybody has to say if you want to come off mute and just share what's bubbling up for you right now. It's just early morning for me, so I'm not prepared for coffee. <laughs> It's all right. It's all right. Who would like to share something from the breakout rooms? I have just a request. Sure. That in future breakout rooms that you request that everybody unmute uh, and participate because I was sharing to... Um, I say the R word of retarded is outdated. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I'm so happy to hear you. Thank you. So I'm happy to share with you. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, and many mental institutions are gone. You know, if you're not aware of that. Mm, yes. Yeah, is that what you guys talked about in your room? No, I mean, whoever, you know, was using those words. Uh, oh, I, I'm not sure what was brought up in your breakout okay. room, but we're just whoever, talking about yeah was uh talking about that mm. okay all right well does anybody else have anything to share from the breakout rooms anything bubbling up for you right now from kevin's talk about transitions 
feel free to come off mute and tell us what you're feeling. May I share? Yes, please. I was very blessed to be in the room with Kevin and Jenna and uh, that person who was just speaking a moment ago, who's anonymous. And um, I, I was, I came to the realization that each transition that I've been through, I didn't always necessarily even realize I was going through a transition. But hearkening back to it today in the discussion, I realized that as challenging as transitions can be, and they don't always have to be, of course, but thinking about my challenging transitions, it also made me mindful of the blessings that I have currently and that I had at that time, which was what made it easy for me to get through those transitions and move forward and be where I am today. So I'm grateful for that discussion. Thank you all. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. My pleasure. Would anyone else like to share? Yes, DJ, come off mute. Um, Yeah, I had a great experience in the breakout room, two amazing people. It was just so amazing. It's just incredible. You know, it's just so, so, so magical how the hope circles are like that for me. And they always have been. I just want to put it out there before, before I explain my, um, my chat, um, that um, the reason why I became involved with the Peace Alliance is because of the hope circle. So thank you, Terry. Thank you, Liz. Um, During the pandemic, you were there. You were like my only lifeline. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. back in the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> so thank you. And I love you. And I love everything about you. Oh, so thank you. Thank you, DJ. Yeah, we yeah. started we started the Hope Story Circles right when the shutdown happened for that very reason. Mm-hmm. We wanted to give people a place to come mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And it worked. Thank it's you. really just been an incredible experience. So thank you. So because of that, because of my experience with the Hope Circle, I have grown into two projects with the Peace Alliance and I put it in the chat. I want to invite you all to True Storytelling, which is the first Saturday of each month, which is a wonderful time to talk about truth and the role of truth in peace building and in um, our future. And uh, also, I have Peace Builders series on YouTube, and I'd like to invite anybody who wants to tell their peace story, including uh, Kevin. It would be so nice to have your your story, your wonderful story of hope, and and I love your ideas about you know transitioning uh, and and the role that plays in becoming you know who we are. Uh, and you are an amazing man, and thank you so much for your dedication to dance and, and, and knowledge and being here today. Um, so please uh, take my email, Lily for Justice with the number four, um, even though my name is DJ. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, DJ. Thank you so much. Can anybody else like to share? If not, Kevin, do you have any final words before Liz? Oh, wait, that's Carolyn. I saw Carolyn's hand. Oh, good. I I just want to say, Kevin, thank you so much for your story, for for sharing. Um, Years ago, I I led a group called Women in Transition. uh, And it was amazing because we are, like you said, we're always, that's the one thing that's constant in our lives is transition. And... um, and sometimes the, the transitions can be difficult, but from your story, 
the 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 challenges were turned into opportunities mm -hmm. and that's a wonderful thing to know going forward we're still going to have those challenges but if we could turn those into opportunities to continue mm -hmm. us and, and move us forward it's it's incredible if we can look at it from that light and then have uh, a fabulous story to tell later on because you know, hindsight obviously is twenty twenty, but when we look at it uh, from that light, it's wow. I, I, a, I overcame it, and B, I'm here now, and yeah, and that's wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. So true, Carolyn. Kevin, do you have any final comments you'd like to leave us with before Liz closes us out? I'd just like to say what a warm, embracing community this is. I thank you so much for inviting me in. It's just been, it's, it's been a joy. This last hour <laughs> has been one of the happiest hours I've spent in a long time. And I'm <laughs> okay. grateful to all of you and grateful to this, this, grateful to the stories that were shared during the breakout. And uh, I, I, it, you're all just wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. Liz, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, I do. So I'm going to try to weave oh, wait, two. Wait, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yes. I need, you, yes, I, I know. To, we're all caught up. We have to do business, Terry. I need to put links in the chat before we close. Um, so the, the Hope Story Circles are brought to you by the Peace Alliance, and our website is peacealliance.org. Um, the podcasts are available from the website. Peace On is our podcast name. There's also a link about a page about the Hope Story Circles. Feel free to come back and join us and, and invite friends. We typically have them on the second and fourth Saturdays of every month. This month, we are not having it on the fourth Saturday due to the Christmas holiday. So we'll see you again in January. There's also a link for the Blueprint for Peace. This is a major initiative with one single click you can let all of your elected officials know that you support policy related to peace building and violence reduction. So it's a really wonderful single action. Also about the Department of Peace Building Legislation, HR 1111, it's our North Star cornerstone piece of legislation. We advocate for many things right now. We're also advocating for um, a ban on assault weapons because Joe Biden brought it up and we wanna push that through in the lame duck if we can. Um, we are a small nonprofit and we appreciate donations of any size, especially our monthly donors, which are peace partners. And as DJ just mentioned, the calendar of events is where you can find all of all the things we have going on every month. So at the peacelines.org slash calendar. Now, Liz, you want to close this up? Yeah, I, I'm just putting two ideas together. I don't know how it's going to come out. Often I think this through. I did not think it through. Uh, most of you who have been here before know that my background, my father was a civil rights activist and a college professor in the 60s. And my first memory of the world was the assassination of Martin Luther King. I was four years old, but that day, you know, Kevin, I in your story, I think about the fact that I have heard as an educator, right, that we don't give children goals that are worthy of their greatness. Mm -hmm. And when I was four and asked my father why anyone would wanna kill Martin Luther King, he said, there are some things we will never understand but the work he left undone was to create the beloved community. And that's your job. You're here to create the beloved community. And I was thinking about that, especially this week, because Kevin, I had a friend reach out and say, Liz, my husband lost his job and I think he could use you. Now, I don't 
help people find jobs, right? Um, and she said, but could he talk to you? So we did. And once I ascertained that they were going to be okay, he had a little bit of a severance package. And I said, well, what is it you'd like to do? And he said the following sentence to me. He said, I understand that there's pain and suffering and violence and ugliness in the world. But I also know there's deep love and beauty. And I would love to spend my life awakening love and beauty and helping people see it in the world around me. And that's what I've been thinking. And normally I send people off, right? With what to do and then like some kind of action. And I'm just like, I would love to think about infrastructures that would help awaken us to love and beauty. Um, and to just think about how we can support one another in that vision. Um, and and it's no particular mission or <laughs> agenda on the way out. But, but that's just it. If we could just think about how as communities, we could support one another in those transitions when they happen so that it's not as scary, but we could lift people to the place where they're finding their purpose. And Kevin, for me, that's what each of your stories meant to me. Each time you moved close, closer to your purpose and closer to your purpose and closer to purpose, but it was a weaving of all of them. And I'm thinking, boy, would I love to, for us to figure out a way to, to create that for all of us. Everyone. That's it. That's it. No. Thank you guys right. so much for this thank beautiful Thank you, space. everyone. Thank you. Please come off mute and say goodbye. And thank you and have wonderful holidays. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah. What's the and Joni, Happy yes, yes. And Joni, you mentioned Dennis Kucinich. He was the first person I heard, I was just saying to Terry, who put the word love in infrastructure. And I built it into my own organization, right? That if we're going to create a uh, society based on love, we need to build infrastructures that support that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's nice to see you, Joey. Nice thanks, to see everyone. You. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Oh, Bye. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.